Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Write First Think Later podcast. As always, my name is Harry, and I'm going to be your host once again this week as we take another look into one of the interesting chapters in the book of writing. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, forgive the bad, <laughs> very bad turn of phrase, metaphor, whatever it might be. Um, feel a little, feel a little brain dead. Just watched a movie, it's two hours long. It was very good. It was based on a book. It was very different from the book. Um, the main character was very attractive, so I'm a little lovaclempt right now. Um, but here I am, uh, and today we are going to talk about beginnings. Ooh. So we are in the middle of talking about plot, and we've talked about different things leading up to the plot to kind of keep in mind. So like plot, what it means, major dramatic question, stuff like that. But today we're going to specifically talk about beginning. Where do we begin and how do we begin? Beginnings tend to be hard for writers, um, especially depending on where they are in the process. So if I've come to notice, if you are, this is the first thing that you're ever writing for this story, even if you've got the whole thing drafted out, it can be difficult to figure out how to begin. Maybe not where to begin, but how to begin. If you are rewriting, it gets a little little bit easier. Um, and you know, the how difficult, the difficult, the difficulty, you know, it's a difficulty. That's not a word. The difficulty of beginning often comes from there being so much at stake. There's so much that you have to set up in that beginning and kind of look out for that it makes beginnings really, really hard. So you have to account for a couple of different things when you are first writing and first starting that beginning, first starting that story. You have to give us the readers all of the necessary information that we need to know in order to follow along with your story. So if you are setting up a fantasy world, you have to give us the necessary information right up front that we need in order to tramp right into that fantasy world. This is not easily done. This is oftentimes done over like a couple of chapters, not just like one chapter. Even if you are doing like the really awesome get out of jail free card, but like the the hack, I would say of um, having the main character be somebody who is not 100% familiar with this fantasy world, you still have a lot to set up. So if you're doing that trick, this person is not 100% familiar with this fantasy world, you've got an easy way in because we also don't know. Um, That's part of why I think Harry Potter was so easy to understand maybe is because we're seeing it through Harry's eyes and we also don't know. We're also muggles. We don't know what's going on. We're like, whoa, wizards, what? Um, even if Harry does like just believe it immediately, he's like, I'm a wizard. Okay, cool. Uh, are my parents still dead? Whatever. Um, but there are other fantasy books that don't have that. So they have to lay it all out. (laughs) They have to say, okay, this is going to be a ride. We have built this fairy world. The character knows what's going on. So you, we're going to give you as much as we can, some background information, but for the most part, you get to just kind of hope. Um, And then there are other ones that kind of toe that line where they will introduce the brand new kind of area, brand new thing um, to us. And then there'll be like a whole new thing that we all get to learn about together. So it just kind of depends. But anyway, you have to set up and give us all of the necessary information that we need to know in order to kind of progress onward. If this is a historical piece, you have to give us that historical context. If this is, like I said, the fantasy piece, you need to give us that world building context. Um, you need to introduce the main character. I say need to, you 
probably should. Best practice to just introduce the main character. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. There's really no other note to that. Introduce the main character. Introduce some side characters as well. If you would like, give us some people that we can get to know, that we can vibe with, other than just our main character. At the end of the day, it's she's they, I should say, are the most important, that main character, but it's nice to introduce some other characters kind of in there. And I'll talk about that a teensy bit later on. And beginnings are difficult because this is the first thing that your potential reader is gonna read. They might read the back of the book. Um, I tend to read the back of the book and then like read, skim the first couple paragraphs. Some people just read the back of the book. Some people are like, that's a really cool cover and open the book and read and just see what happens. Um, that's totally fine. But if they are like me and like I'm sure most of you, the reader is gonna read the first paragraph, couple, maybe first page, first chapter if they really got a hour to kill in the Barnes and Noble. So you need to set up and make them want to read and continue reading. That's why beginnings are so hard. How do I give them all of this information, give them all of this context, explain everything about what's going on and what's going to happen, but also keep them interested, especially if I've got a fantasy world to build. How do I do that? How do I, how do I keep this going? So that's what today's kind of about. I wanted to start as well and kind of dive into a quote yeah it's a quote uh, <laughs> that is going to kind of frame the conversation or at least helped frame my understanding of everything that I kind of talked about to do that I have to give you some necessary information haha <laughs> beginnings so I subscribe to a box called scribbler this is a subscription box for writers specifically um, anybody who likes writing or even just likes reading totally fine um, it is a monthly box. They send you a book. Um, they send you a kind of look in at the publishing world, how that goes. Um, editing, editing mainly. I can't say that word. Uh, it's funny. Uh, and then what's called a writing passport. And then a couple of other goodies. But the writing passport is something written by the people who run Scribbler and the author who wrote the book. And it is about specifically like what the box is themed about, which is something that the book does really well or that the author knows quite a bit about. So each month you get a different passport and they each have a different theme. So there might be writing relationships, conflict, pacing, um, beginnings, endings, character development. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that was phenomenal. They had a character one that was actually really good. Um, but I'm using specifically the openings one from March 2020, haha, when the world collapsed. Um, and it specifically is written by Dorinda Jones. She wrote First Grave on the Right, um, which is the book that kind of this goes with. And she talks about openings. I've not read any of Dorinda Jones' work. Um, I have read from Scribbler and other places that she is very good at openings and kind of doing this introductory work that so many of us might struggle with. So I had great faith in this passport. So I wanted to go ahead and read a quote. Um, it's from like, I think it's literally her third paragraph, yeah. So Dorinda says, the best openings will have readers fairly begging to read more. At the very least, they will be intriguing enough to pique their interest. But you only have a few pages to do all of this. Sometimes only a few paragraphs, or even just a few lines. Daunting, terrifying, holy crap. Uh, yeah, it's not fun. Not fun. Really daunting. Something you don't often think about when you're writing like in the moment, but then you're like, oh wait, <laughs> this is the whole 
whole reason they're going to keep reading. So I need to need to make this good. So it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. As I was doing the research for this episode, I was like, holy crap, it's a lot. So I'm going to condense down some of the research I've done and share it with you guys. Dorinda gave me a lot of insight into this. So thank you to Dorinda and thank you to the people who make the Scribbler box. Uh, this is not sponsored. I wish it were. Um, so I'm going to Go ahead and run through everything i wanted to share some things to remember things to kind of consider my personal rule of thumb that i was taught um both like in my intro to creative writing class and then before as well and just kind of from reading some of these things you might already know just from like casual reading or from classes you might have taken which is totally fine others of these i thought were like hmm, pretty good tips so i'm gonna first start with my rule of thumb start where things change so your story is not probably gonna be a slice of life story if it is cool whatever this is not gonna be the section of this for you <laughs> your story is probably gonna have maybe some slice of life elements into it but it's gonna something is gonna change something is going to be different think of all the books you have ever read in your entire life for fun for school because your aunt made you like think about all those books they all started and are all happening because something was different something changed something changes in the trajectory of the characters lives and then they have to go and react to it recover from it all that good stuff so start there start where the changes you don't have to start right in the middle of the change kind of right in the beginning of the plot but do start as close to it as you can like if your story starts on a Friday in May, do not take us all the way back to Tuesday in March, please. If you're doing it, you better have a damn good reason, okay? But if it's gonna change in May, don't eat us all the way back to March. Keep as close to May as you possibly, possibly can. This will drop us into the action a fair bit and intrigue us immediately. Okay, so it's important to kind of think about that and to do that. Um, think about if you're having trouble with that, think about what is the change what is different what happens and then kind of go from there like I said earlier you do need to provide us the necessary backstory and background information for us to follow along some of this can be done literally in the moment some of this needs to be done by taking us back a teensy teensy bit and there's different kind of levels of that different understandings of that so I'm going to kind of I've got a couple examples. They're at different. I've got a bookshelf and then my desk, which the top part is just books, my favorite books. So I'm gonna poke my head around different places in my room. Um, so forgive me if I'm scattered a little bit. But I'm gonna go through a couple of different examples of those that I think work pretty well and then go from there. If other ones pop up, of course, I will say them. Um, but first and foremost, I thought about Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. It starts with Kath saying there was a boy in her room. Kath is moving into college. She's starting college with her twin sister, Ren. Ren is on the completely other, like, opposite side of campus. I don't even think they're in the same dorm room. I don't even think they're studying the same things. And they're completely different. Kath has also written fan fiction for a very, very long time. And she realizes, sadly, that fan fiction is not recognized as, like, legitimate, actual creative writing for a number of reasons. So she's having to kind of come to terms with that. It's all she's ever really known. All this, like, she spent so much time writing it, there's a lot. And then she's also having difficulties with her sister and with being away from home and all this stuff. So there's a lot going on. 
So Rainbow Rattle said, we're just going to start first day of college. Boom. There was a boy in her room. And there was a boy in her room. That's beside the point. She start, she like drops us in the action and gives us all of that necessary information in a number of different ways. Some like thoughts, of course. I love thoughts. They're great. Um, so she's thinking about how things are different, how this is not what she planned, and how she's not really even excited about college anyway. She goes, after she's kind of moved her stuff in, and goes and sees her sister, visits her sister. She texts her dad. There's all kinds of stuff that Kath does that gives us that necessary information while also continuing the plot and not taking us back with her, which is awesome. Another example is Picture the Dead. I do not, I cannot find the author's name, and I can't locate the book on my bookshelf to look for it. So I think, yeah, I saw it, but it's, it's between my Narnia books and my other books about ghosts slash New Orleans. So, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get up and do that. Um, so Picture of the Dead is about a young woman in Civil War era and she lives with her aunt, uncle, and then her two cousins and her brother. Her brother has died fairly recently and her two cousins were taken off to fight in the Civil War. They are twins. She's also engaged to one of them. I know, a little grody. Again, 1860s. Let's just not think about it. So the first line is basically like, the carriage is what woke me up. As we read the first literally two pages, we find out one cousin has returned home. He has a bandage over his eye. He is beat up, beat the hell up. Um, and then the other one is unaccounted for and kind of dead so she they just dropped us right into the action those two authors were like we're not we're just boom action there you go which is awesome we're thrown right into the situation we are shown the severity of the situation and we are given two to three pages that outline why this is so different and so wild i also want to point out the cousin that is dead is the one that the main character was engaged to so she's like having all these emotions and all these thoughts and stuff um it's a great opening absolutely phenomenal opening i think the first at least half of the first chapter is spent in that in that moment and giving us the necessary background information we need to understand why this is such a big deal also realizing that like readers do pick up on context clues then they go in and explain why it's a big deal and they uncover things kind of slowly which i really like um but it's enough information that you can kind of know what's going on and understand what's going on it's also a mystery, so you don't need all the background information, all that background story, just a little bit. Phenomenal opening, great book. I picked that up on a band trip in Walmart um, in high school, and I think I read, I flipped through it a little bit, and it was cool. There's like illustrations accompanying the chapters, um, and then uh, I read, I think, the first couple paragraphs, and I was like, this is fucking great. And it was 10 bucks at a Walmart in, I think, San Antonio. And I was like, I'm buying it. And I bought it. <laughs> uh, and I read it in a night. I got a huge headache. I'm carsick. Uh, I.e., I cannot read things in the car, even if I have on glasses or take medicine beforehand. It gives me a huge, huge headache. Um, and I read that on a bus. And I finished it. And I didn't even care. I had a headache. A huge headache. Borderline migraine. Did not care. Such a good book. Be and I only got it because of the beginning. So that's really great. Those are two good beginnings that drop you down right, right, right in the middle of the action and right in the middle of what is different. And uncover the necessary information for you to kind of follow along and understand what's going on. Picture the Dead, probably one of my, I think, probably one of my favorite beginnings. I need to reread that book. It's very good. 
we've got a couple of books that will not drop you right in the center of the action, but take you a little bit before to give you that necessary information as to why this change is so radical, so weird, so different. That's also very important. It's a little bit difficult sometimes to manage how far back you exactly need to take your reader. Sometimes it's pretty easy. So my main examples for those are, of course, going to be Harry Potter universe and the Grishaverse. Are we surprised? I hope not. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, whichever one you'd like to call it, t drops us into one of the ways that everything is a little bit different. So if we're, if we're going from the exact moment where things change in Harry's life, like when he can remember it changing, it's going to be um, probably the night that, I think maybe even when he starts getting the letters from Hogwarts. Yeah, or the night that Hagrid busts down that door on the island, or even when Uncle Vernon is like, yo, we're leaving, we're getting the hell out of here. But if you were going to start right at when Harry starts to get letters, or right at when Hagrid comes in the door, you're going to drop the reader in too much of a change. It's going to be a little too jarring. Lots of action, uh-huh. But then you're going to have to travel back and do a lot of explaining that can be a little more intriguing especially in a fantasy world with a cup with a chapter maybe two chapters extra to explain so they drop us in the moment that everything really really changes they drop us in the moment where Hagrid brings Harry as an infant to number four Privet Drive and gives him to Dumbledore and says like here you go what are you gonna do with him Dumbledore's like I'm gonna leave him with these muggles that hate him he does. <laughs> so they drop us there, and then they take us into Dudley's 11th birthday, where Harry sets the snake free on accident, and in the movie, traps Dudley in the snake enclosure, which is such a good addition. Oh my god, such a good addition in the movie's TBH. So they take us to, J.K. Rowling takes us to the moment where stuff changes in multiple different areas. So she takes us to that moment where the wizarding world is just completely rocked, like their, their socks have just been rocked and knocked off. Um, she takes us to the moment in Harry's life where things are really, really weird. He gets to go to the zoo, he gets a lemon pop, he sets a snake free, he can talk to snakes, what? And then she takes us to the moment where he gets his first letter. Ooh. So there's lots of things that she does that kind of set that up. She shows us why this is all weird. First of all, the snake coming in is going to be weird anyway. Um, second of all, like letters coming in from everywhere are going to be weird anyhow. She gave us the necessary information about the Wizarding World to not be 100% confused. Like we know it's from those people from the beginning. It's from the three of them. But what is it? What is it about? What are they doing? Um, does that kind of make sense? I recognize that my discussion of number four private drive is a little bit more like not sensical I think that's the word nonsensical I don't know um I realize that one is not as well maybe thought out or constructed as some of the other ones but all of that to say that JK Rowling drops us in enough of a kind of pretense or pretext for us to understand kind of what's happening and the world that we're in because if we're not knowing that there's a wizarding world and a human like muggle world 
the book would be very confusing from the jump. So she has to go back and kind of lay that out for us. There are wizards, and there are witches. They're fairly nice, and this boy is probably one of them, and is a part of this really big historical event for them. Then we've got Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone, the whole series, is good at beginnings. Especially, I like drawing you in again for that like, second book. But Shadow and Bone has, to me, a very good beginning, and does a similar thing to what Philosopher's Stone did. So Shadow and Bone drops us into about one drops us into like 13 years before things are going to get different and then drops us in to like the day before things get super super different so it starts off with a prologue which i will talk about later i will address prologues later specifically it starts with a prologue and it sets up a lot of stuff that we do need to know about alina about mal and about Magrisha, and of course ravka but mainly alina mal and Magrisha. It shows us uh, Alina and Mal are normal and that they are attached at the hip, which becomes very important throughout the rest of the story. Super important in Ruin and Rising. Super important. They're attached at the hip. They get along really well together. Um, they're like all the, they're together all the time. Um, it shows us, you know, Mal is a tracker. Mal's really good at finding food. Great. Alina is like super, super skinny, which stays the same throughout the whole thing. It also shows us um, that Rothka has two armies, the first and the second army. First army is regular soldiers. Second army are these mythical, magical people called Grisha? Question mark. And we know that they wear red, blue, and purple. And that they go around and they test children at around the age of eight to see if they show proclivity towards any of like the Grisha powers. Any of the small signs. That's what it's set up is. Uh, I cannot remember if it establishes in that chapter that Alina and Mal not Grisha. I can't remember. Um, or not, quote unquote, not Grisha. Um, I can't remember. In the second chapter, though, or in the first chapter, it certainly does. First chapter opens up and Mal and Alina are both working in the first army. Alina is a cartographer, going to make maps. Mal is a soldier and a tracker. And they are going to cross what is called the Shadow Fold. The Shadow Fold is a big swath of darkness that is just full of monsters and just really unchartable and just awful in the middle of their country, Ravka. And it is weakening the country a lot. So they are going to go on a journey through the Shadow Fold to the other side. Doing what? I don't remember. It's been a while since I read the book and a lot happens in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the seven books afterwards i had to do math and then i had to think about if my math was correct or not is my math correct or not i don't know if my math's correct or not forget it doesn't matter um but still it has to set they they don't know quite i don't remember quite what they're doing but i remember um that they're setting up for that day so elena is running around she goes to the tent she makes a map she talks to her friend alexi whatever and it's established that she and mal are super super normal with the difference that she is still super skinny super frail and mal is hot so hot <laughs> that's like one of the first few things i knew about mal was that he was beautiful um and it also helps to establish a little more about the grisha it gives us some more necessary background information um the grisha are led by uh, someone called the darkling apparently there's a chain of darklings they're like a grisha king but mostly a general um they wear black people that work for the darklings specifically wear black he has favorite grisha that come and do a lot of different things for him 
Uh, and that's kind of all we really learn about the Darkling. In that moment, Alina doesn't know much about him. He's kind of this mythical figure. And we learn that Alina and Mal are still super, super close. BFF status, best friends. So close. We also learn Alina's kind of got a thing for Mal. That comes into play throughout the entire rest of the series, especially throughout the first one, Shadow and Bone. Oh man, does that, that's like a huge pop point. Um, so it sets up a lot of stuff for us there. And then we go to the next day. They enter the fold. They are attacked by these monsters in there called the Volcra. Uh, one of them goes to take Mal and Alina freaks out. Uh, I think she faints. I believe she faints. Um, and when she wakes back up, they're back into out of the fold. Uh, and everyone's looking at her real funny. And they're like, what are you doing? And we find out Alina summoned light to scare away the Volcra and save Mal. Whoa. Uh, even though that was already established that she does not have powers. And um, they work very quickly to establish that like this is not something that normal people can do. What the heck? So Lee Bardugo gives us backstory to understand everything we're about to see. Then she gives us more backstory to further center us around Alina and Mal and what's going on. And set up the fact that Alina being able to harness the sun is weird. Not normal. For her, nor anybody at all. So she does a very... Lee Bardugo, love her, stand her. She does a very good job of setting that up. Giving us that necessary background information and then plopping us into the beginning she makes it she pops into an interesting part but then slowly like lets us learn about everything until things are different again does that make sense i think it does <laughs> she plops us into a prologue i'm gonna how many times can i say the word plop start a drinking game every time i say the word plop drink um she plops us into a prologue that gives us necessary information we need about the world she gives us the first chapter that follows up with that information, adds more to that, adds a lot more to our character development, and attaches us to Alina, or Mal, or Alexi. I liked Alexi, and then he died. Uh, and then in the next chapter, shows the difference, like what the real thing is. Alina can summon the sun, and that's not something that we've known her to do, or anybody has ever known her to do. So I think that Shadow and Bone also does a really good job of beginning, especially for a series. Um, very good job of centering us and then giving us that necessary information and then pushing us forward. Again, with fantasy stuff, your beginnings and all that necessary information are going to be a little more jumbled. There are different tips, different tricks. I would say if you're looking for that specifically, read fantasy stuff and see how they begin. See what goes from there. See what works. See what you do or don't like. The great thing and the daunting thing is that you will get to decide what the readers need or what will pull them in. You, the author, get to decide what information is necessary and in, to intrigue us, to intrigue the reader. Haha, -ha, terrifying. So you are the person who has to craft this beautiful, amazing, lovely opening that not only draws us in, but also gives us the necessary information to follow what you're saying. <laughs> Horrible, awful, terrifying, I know. But it's fun. <laughs> So you are completely in charge of everything. If you want to do a prologue, if you want to set us back, you know, a day, maybe a week, speed through a week, maybe spend a full day, like, talking about why it's different, cool, you can do that. That's you. You get to pick that. You get to decide. It's very daunting, like I said. Uh, having a plan of what you're writing will help, and having that designated, like, this is where things start to change, and this is what my readers will need to know before then will help with that. Like I said, you can backpedal, you, pan, you can just like start 
um, at the change and then backpedal and give us a lot of exposition, but sometimes it's okay, a lot of times it's okay to go back and give us a chapter or two beforehand that kind of explains everything and then jump into why stuff is different. I personally like to start kind of midway through the change. I like to do what Picture the Dead and Fangirl do, where I start like right in the midst of the action and then I'm able to kind of pull back and offer some exposition or maybe start like right when things do change but kind of give that exposition I think um, I start things off very differently as well it just depends on what I'm writing that's probably a good thing as well good rule of thumb how you're gonna start where you're gonna start depends on what you're writing haha don't you hate that <laughs> so depending on the story you're writing the genre you're doing how long it is everything that is going to change where you begin how you start for um still your own which is a short story i have written uh my main character m loses her cat kitty in the first draft she opens her eyes and it's late and she realizes kitty is not there and so she goes about her morning routine hoping kitty will show herself kitty does not in the second draft, I st it starts with her calling her ex-boyfriend Leo, who she adopted Kitty with, and she's going to ask Leo to help her find Kitty. And as she is waiting for the phone to ring, she thinks about like her relationship with Leo. She thinks about the cat. The cat's missing, and like I, do, I offer some exposition just via her being anxious and nervous. So there's a couple of different things that you can do there. I didn't have a problem with both of them. Um, either of them people who read it and give me feedback said that it would be nicer if we could just like start in the middle of the action so I did that they liked it better again audience readers depends in hand that feeds Bogle the novel I'm working on um, my character goes to boarding school post-secondary boarding school uh, and I start it with her getting to the boarding school starts with her getting there that's what's different I don't you don't need all the stuff about her family all the stuff that happened before you don't need to know about the four-hour train ride you don't need to know about the one-hour car ride into the town like you don't need to know all that you just need to start in the beginning and then we'll fill you in as it goes because I like that because oftentimes I like sometimes to learn with the characters and kind of learn stuff with them so it's nice think about as well what you like to read totally fine to do that totally totally fine so I have discussed kind of my rule of thumb i've discussed books i like the grishaverse um which also by the way is not sponsoring this <laughs> if only libra duco please sponsor me i would love that i would be very thankful for that um but i've discussed stuff in my rule of thumb which is just start where things get different uh and now i'm going to go through and talk about some other tips tricks and things to do while you're while you're writing the beginning yeah <laughs> basically just some things that i think are helpful to keep in mind and to consider while you're writing like i said before maybe not in this episode but a million times before if you don't like something don't do it you are the writer if something does not work for you don't do it these are things that the reader can align themselves with as they are reading that first chapter shout out to dorinda jones a lot of these came from her and that in that scribbler passport so um shout out there uh, but these are things to kind of consider, think about, not like, I mean, Dorinda said hard and fast, like should be doing, I'm not going to say hard and fast should be doing, uh, but things that it would behoove you to do. There we go. So number one is make us care about your character. And you're like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but 
there's lots of ways that you can make us care about your character. So I'm going to try to show and tell. I'm going to show you ways that you can make us tell, care about your character, but also tell you, make us care about your character. Lots of ways you can do that if we don't care about your main character at any point. Like, we're, we're less, we're not really going to want to read too, too much more. So, make us care about them. Show that, um, they're hurting. Sorry, I lost my page <laughs> and I have Dr. Handwriting. Show that they're hurting. Are they in pain? Does this thing start off with them being in pain or going through some kind of emotional upheaval? Show us that. Show us how that is affecting them. Show us before and after. Show us why that would affect them show us their problems if the major dramatic question revolves around them and their problems show it to us show us why these problems are so so big maybe they're funny if your character is funny and that's one of the your favorite things about them do that have them entertain us make us laugh maybe we see other people around them that like them and we're like yeah they they enjoy them they like them they're cool um we like likable people we love a boss who is likable make us see that other people like them maybe you can include some of the like major dramatic question in the beginning again with the problem so we can see up front and you introduce that major dramatic question and we're hooked with it um again it's like the sandwich he wakes up one day and he's like i want a grilled cheese sandwich oh, but i want to make the best grilled cheese sandwich for me and my dog i don't know um and you run with it you just go with it so you're plugging us in there and we're like great we're gonna figure out how to make the best grilled cheese sandwich for this dude and his dog. Recently, I read the first chapter. It's about 20 pages of a book that my friend is working on, Selena. Shout out to Selena. And she did a very good job of making us care about the character by introducing this kind of personal conflict that I think could come back into frame later. Maybe not. Um, but was very, very important for the character. So it's like a slice of life bit, but also like we cared about this character. He had not a great job. He was kind of likable, fine, whatever. But he had a thing for the barista in his office. He works in like a nice sky rise. On the first floor, there's a coffee shop. And there was a barista. I believe her name was Darcy. Oh, man. Did our boy have a thing for Darcy? And he wanted to ask her out. He's been wanting to ask her out for months. And so I cared so much about this man getting to ask out Darcy, as most of us would. And then the day shifts changes a little bit some stuff happens I'm not gonna share because that's Selena's book but I cared I was like I want to see him ask out Darcy and then when the stuff happened I was like is he one is he gonna live two is he gonna still get to ask out Darcy like what's going on marvelous marvelous so make us care about your character make us want to get to know them you can also establish the tone ASAP that's another way to get us kind of interested the scribbler authors we had a lot of different ways to kind of establish the tone. I condensed some of it, but I also just um, took it with my own writing experience, reading experience. And I went through and I thought of some examples. Um, but I mean, really establishing the tone is like another very, very good like rule of writing, rule of thumb of writing. Um, Unless you have a great reason for pulling the wool over our eyes and shifting it and having the first two chapters be like happy-go-lucky, really fun, and the next 50 be sad, horrible, depressing, awful. Unless you have a really good reason, it is super important to establish the tone and everything. Tone, mood for your writing first off. 
so there's lots of, again, lots of ways to do that. You can show us the setting or the environment that often can help and play into the tone. If it's like a happy-go-lucky story, of course the sun should be out. If it's like a gloom, doom story, like there needs to be lots and lots of rain. Um, sometimes that can play into the environment. If your story is set in England, sometimes there will be lots and lots of rain, even if it is like a gloom or like a happy story. Just sort of depends. You also need to make careful vocab choices. So certain words are going to lead more towards a serious tone or a lighthearted tone, a tragedy versus a comedy. I'm not going to run into those words specifically, but make sure you know them. So like if you're writing a thriller versus you're writing versus if you're writing a romance, the word choice is going to be very, very different. Um, so keep that in mind when you're working with that. That's often something that's a little bit difficult for me. Um, but establish the tone again with those like carefully chosen vocab words as well as with like setting environment um and just like general behavior of your main character maybe helps as well um again gloom and doom sad haunting it's okay to have a character be like slouched over like oh, i hate that um because that shows us a lot too shows us about the character it also just kind of introduces us to the tone of the story like oh if they're not having fun this is not gonna be great this is not gonna be fun but we don't know we'll see dialogue can also be great to start off a story with i if you've listened to this before i may have mentioned once or twice i love dialogue i feel like i'm good at it uh sometimes when i'm writing i just write the dialogue and then i go back in and fill stuff in later i love dialogue it's great dialogue can be a great way to drop us into the action of the story get us like let us get to know your character and also kind of fill us in and give us that necessary backstory so dialogue is something awesome to start with when you're reading at least if you're me um your ears perk up a little bit more when people are talking sometimes in the midst of a story i am awful i know i will read through the exposition and just be like key points key points key points uh, and dialogue is always a key point unless it's a monologue in which case i have been known to skip um i know i'm awful i'm horrible i'm trash whatever uh, but dialogue can be a great place to kind of start and can be a great place to do a lot draws the reader in you have to pay attention there's quotations you've got to pay attention to this um it also though has to be snappy did you hear me snap could you hear that i don't know i hope you did but it has to be snappy it has to be quick it can't be just like a regular standard dialogue it's got to be snappy fun quick dialogue good stuff good good stuff so it's a good place to start but be wary of it be cautious of it and make sure that that dialogue is finely tuned and fairly good and doing work for you make sure it's pulling its weight doing its work and introducing things and drawing in the character or reader whatever you know what i mean <laughs> um last show us what the story will be about and stick to it this is uh, just a tip um but like if you're dropping us in the action or revealing the mdq or even like lamenting having like a lamenting like main character moment totally fine but you're showing us what the story is going to be about exactly and so we're seeing that and we're seeing okay the story is going to be a, be about alma struggling at this boarding school and hating her life at this boarding school awesome the story is going to be about m working with her ex-boyfriend whom she's still in love with to find this cat while she's trying to not fall back in love with him again awesome this story is going to be about this girl trying to find her dead cousin what happened to him cool story is going to be about um this kid who finds out he's a wizard and has all these powers and all this stuff awesome you're showing us that major dramatic question that conflict what is interesting about the story first off and it is cool because then we want to see what happens right we want to see what happens once harry goes to hogwarts we want to see like what exactly alma is going to do 
and it shows us this is what the story is going to be about the whole time so if you're into this if this is your gig you're good to go so you're outlining that and they're able to see that like yeah i do want to read a story about this specific thing the whole time so tips tricks things to do roughly i think that was four yeah it was four haha <laughs> so uh, good math harry um so four things to kind of think about and consider when you're doing um I want to run over those really quick because that's this is a long episode. Sorry about that. I have a lot of notes and lots of thoughts. Um, so I do want to run over those. I want to start with the rule of thumb and then some kind of tips and tricks, right? So the rule of thumb is to start where things change. Start where things are going to get different and where something new or exciting is happening in your story. You do not have to start right in that moment. If you determine that you need that necessary backstory that will come with a chapter or two ahead of this moment, totally fine. You can take that chapter or two, give us that necessary backstory, but make sure those are pulling their weight and doing their work and they're not just like falling flat or bland. But start as close to the action and the change as you possibly, possibly can. To create a successful, you know, first couple pages or first chapter, um, first couple pages, probably the best option. Um, make us care about your character in that time. You don't have to make us love them, but make us care about them. Show us their problems. Show us why they're hurting. Maybe they're lamenting about something. Maybe their lover left them. Maybe they dropped their ice cream cone on the ground. You know, make us care about them. Uh, maybe they're just funny and we like that they're funny. Maybe uh, you introduced a major dramatic question and it's them dropping their ice cream cone on the ground and trying to figure out where can I get another ice cream cone? Will Sheila get another ice cream cone? Establish the tone of the story as soon as you can um, and don't pull in games pull the wool over our eyes and change it um, give us the tone of the story give it straight to us um, and go from there lots of ways that you can do that environment is going to be a great one as well as again a lamenting character or the character kind of driven stuff is good too dialogue is a great way to drop us into the action make sure the dialogue is snappy it is quick and it is doing work for you but it is a really nice way to drop us in because oftentimes readers pay more attention when the character is talking. Show us what the story will be about in that first chapter, in those first couple pages, and stick to it. But mainly show us what the story is about. That way we can see that this story is gonna be about, again, a girl struggling at her boarding school that she attends um, to make friends or just to be alive or whatever. Show us that so we can see what we're in for and decide if this is gonna be the right thing for us. So those are kind of the main tips and the main tricks. I did have some footnotes um, that I wanted to share. I had three sticky notes next to this page and I wanted to kind of go through them. They are not quite things that I could turn into an aside, nor are they things that I think are big, big points for this episode, but I did want to touch on them really quick. Some of you are probably thinking about prologues. I will not offer advice on prologues. I will not do it. I have never written one. I don't don't I don't want to um I think that prologues sometimes are really great I don't always think that they're necessary I think depending on your story it can be really great depending on your story it can also be a super super unnecessary so they're a bit of a tricky thing some authors will tell you never do them other authors do them all of the time it just depends um sometimes you know the first chapter might seem like a prologue but it's really the first chapter it just depends um again one of my favorite openings was Shadow and Bone Lee Bardugo did have a prologue that prologue was 10 out of 10. Other prologues I've read are 10 out of 10. Um, I guess my main thing would be do not do a prologue unless you're like if you're 
story will survive without that context and that background information, don't do one. I guess it's the advice I'm here to give, but sometimes prologues are great, sometimes they're 10 out of 10, other times they're prologues. <laughs> Just depends. Uh, so I'm not going to offer any hard and fast advice except for like if they need that necessary context and you can't quite make a chapter out of it, maybe make it a prologue. But do that sparingly, you know. The beginning does not have to be the first thing that you write. It probably shouldn't be the first thing that you write either. Um, I personally don't like writing beginnings at first thing. I like to write in chunks, uh, as most of you will know. So I prefer to kind of write throughout and then go back and create that beginning. I got some advice while I was in college as well about something similar where you want to write the entire paper and then go back and write your intro paragraph. That's kind of how I feel about beginnings. You want to write or at least have planned out a lot of the story and then go back and write your beginning because you know what you've covered and what will need to be addressed or clarified in that beginning. So maybe don't write it first. If you want to write everything like in straight order, perfectly fine. Um, but that leads me into my next thing, which is you might have to rewrite an opening several times. That's fine. The opening, there's a lot writing on that. Don't be afraid if this opening is not quite working to rewrite it and revamp it. That doesn't mean you have to revamp everything that happens afterwards, but do not be afraid to redo the opening. If it's not doing the work, if it's not pulling its weight, rewrite it. If it's falling flat, if you wouldn't want to read it, rewrite it. Boom. So that's it for this week. That was a very, very long episode. I apologize. I restarted a couple of sections a couple of times, and each time I was like, girl, this is so long. Um, but whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys so, so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on beginnings. Um, I will talk a little bit more about other things related to beginnings as well as endings later on as well. Um, if you've got any suggestions or any books that you like that really have like phenomenal beginnings, let me know. Um, I would love to check them out, maybe share them as well. Um, you can send those to writepodcast at gmail.com or DM me at writefirstthinklater at Instagram? Yes. Words. Um, I'm old. I'm sorry. <laughs> I pay taxes. I have a 401k. I'm old. I can't believe it. Um, so anyway, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you all are staying healthy. I live in Texas, so hmm, things are rough right now. Um, hope you all are reading some great books, watching some great TV, educating yourself, educating others, um, being gay if you're gay. Woo, happy pride. Uh, happy pride, y'all. It's the very end of June. I feel like pride went by very, very quick, but happy pride um, to all my queer people out there. Love it. Love y'all. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Again, I watched a movie. It was two hours long. I'm very verklempt. This episode took me around two hours to to, to record. I'm very verklempt, so it's a little weird. Um, and I also was listening to an audiobook of like a real human adult person book. That's something to note, too. Um, I, especially because most of you are probably left by now, so it's fine. I have an audiobook of The Picture of Dorian Gray from Penguin Classics, read by Ben Barnes, who played Dorian Gray in a Dorian Gray movie. Um, and so it was very funny to listen to him uh, reading this and talking about how hot Dorian Gray is supposed to be in like the intro. And it's like, you literally played Dorian Gray, my dude. Um, and I was like, well, I need to listen to something, but it, I don't want to turn on the same show I watch all the time when I'm writing. I don't want to listen to my Grishaverse audiobook because I like don't, I will pay too much attention to King of Scars and not write or pay too much attention to my writing and have to rewind and see what is happening to Nikolai. Um, and I don't want to listen to the Harry Potter books right now. I just don't really feel, don't feel like it right now. Um, 
And so I was like, well, I'll listen to this. And I do not, I tried to listen to Tan France's audiobook, Naturally Tan, and I could not because I care too much about him as well to, to write or do something while I'm listening to that. So I was like, well, I'll listen to the Dorian Gray audiobook I have. Um, and I, I'm almost done with it. And y'all, how long did it take Oscar Wilde to finally get to the interesting part of this story? That could be another thing for another time. Um, I stopped listening to Dorian Gray. I was over halfway through with it during um, recruiting season when I was in college. I finished the, f or when I was recruiting season for my college in September, October, October. And I was reading it or listening to it. And I was driving to a high school visit, like very early in the morning. Uh, I live in North Texas, like North, North Texas, almost Oklahoma. And I had to drive to Fort Worth and it was around a two hour drive with traffic early morning. And I mean, I was meeting these kids at like nine. So my butt was up at like five in the morning so I could get out there and look like a human. Um, and so I was listening to the Dorian Gray audiobook, and I was at the wheel <laughs> I realized I was getting sleepy. I was like, oh no, I have to turn this off. <laughs> and I just never went back to it because I was also like, I didn't care. Anyway, the book just truly got interesting. Uh, and I have an hour left. Uh, not that the book wasn't interesting. It's interesting. Um, Oscar Wilde just goes on some tangents, man. Just so many tangents. And I was like, dude, Oscar, come on. I don't know how long I had to listen to Ben Barnes talk about um, like tapestries and antique books and all this stuff that like historians collected over time today but I mean it was a couple minutes and I was like my dude my dude oh my god holy crap <laughs> uh so it's interesting it's just not my cup of tea not quite my style of writing um which is fine we all have different opinions all have different things uh anyway I'm invested now I do have to finish it um I've had it for yeah since maybe November maybe September actually I think it was September uh, a wild I know <laughs> anyway thank you guys for joining me I hope you enjoyed today's episode as usual like I said earlier if you have any questions comments concerns please feel free to send them to writepodcast at gmail.com or DM me on write first think later on Instagram I look forward to hearing from y'all and to talking to y'all next week bye guys <laughs>